uh, lovely to be back. It seems a while since I've been uh, with everybody, um, having been away at New Day and then on holiday. Um, but it's just lovely to be back in community, isn't it? Lovely to be with the people of God. Lovely to be here in this place that is obviously not designed for a church, is it? In this place that is very obviously designed as a nightclub, but here we are as the people of God. It's brilliant. It's really good, isn't it? it you come back and you just I feel kind of inspired in that way. The other thing I was um, feeling as I was coming back is it's actually halfway through Steve's sabbatical. It's interesting, isn't it? It almost feels like it was only last week that he was here saying goodbye to us. Um, and it's actually halfway through. Um, in about five weeks' time, he'll be back with us. And all, we'll all be wearing fancy dress or something just to confuse him. Something like that. We should do something, shouldn't we, on his first week back, just to show that we've all changed. Maybe we'll all wear pink. No? We'll all wear black. No. But we'll do something, won't we? And it's just, it's a kind of interesting time, I think, in terms of uh, um, preaching. Um, and I hope that you'll be with me, a small, small group of us, but you'll be with me um, today and participating, so I'm not just giving a monologue. Um, my title this morning is An Amazing God. An Amazing God. Now, I would like to do... Um, if it works, Paul, is that um, if we can read through the passage together. Have you got the passage there up? It's uh, Acts 3, verses 1 to 10. And if we can read it through uh, in the ESV together. I think sometimes it's really good to read Scripture together, isn't it? Okay, I've not done this before. So let's see how it goes. Um, We don't need to stand up, do we? We can just nice, loud voices together. Right, are we ready? Yes. Okay, now... Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a lame man from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting them to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, as we come to this passage in Acts, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us, Lord, you'd warm our hearts by your spirit, Lord, you'd encourage us, you'd bless us, and Lord, you'd give us that gentle challenge that always comes from you as well, Lord. Lord, we welcome you here again this morning. 
And we say, Lord, will you speak to us? Lord, not just individually as a people, as we move forward in you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It's uh, an amazing story, isn't it? It's a story, I don't know, many of us maybe first heard at Sunday school. Yeah, walking and leaping and praising God. Do you remember this little the song? Yeah, walking and leaping and praising God. Um, and it's one of those stories that um, inspires us on a kind of very simple level. That there was a, this beggar just asking for money at the beautiful gate. And the end of it, he was jumping up and down and leaping, not just healed, but strengthened in that great amount of joy. It's something that we can pick up very quickly, isn't it? But actually, I just want to go through and pick out some deeper parts. Um, Just before I do, I'm going to read a a verse from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 35, verse 6, that says, Then the the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And that's true. That was Isaiah looking forward, wasn't it? And seeing the kind of things that Jesus would do and that his um, apostles, his uh, disciples would do afterwards. So I want to look at this passage in three ways. As I've read through it, I felt God's spoken to me about three things. Number one, praying for healing. Because that's what happens there, isn't it? Praying for healing. Number two, a mighty half an hour. And I'll talk a little bit about what I mean by that. And number three, it's those two words at the end, amazement and wonder. Amazement and wonder. Let's start off with the uh, idea of praying for healing. It's interesting praying for healing, isn't it? Everybody you talk to has a slightly different opinion. And some people are sometimes slightly cautious, aren't they, about praying for healing? Well, what happens if this person doesn't get healed? Well, I cause disappointment. And, and I was in exactly that place while we were away. We visited a church in Bangor in North Wales. And I first time I'd ever been there. And I just felt this prompting from God. You know you do sometimes. I said, go and pray for healing. I don't want to, Lord. It's my first time here. And I always try, when I'm the first time somewhere, not to say anything publicly. Just to get used to things. Because you, you don't know what they do, do you? You don't know the processes. And God said, go on. Go and pray for healing. I said, but I don't want to, Lord. I just feel uncomfortable. You know, maybe they don't ever do that here. I'm not. This is my first time at the church. I'm with some friends. And I don't want to offend them or look silly. Go on, go and pray for it. Oh, right, Lord. So I went and saw our friends. I said, look, I know it's slightly strange and I'm new here, but would it be possible, do you think, would it be normal if I went up the front and just did a quick prayer for healing? And they said, oh, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Okay, not what I wanted. You know, you want that, oh, no, we don't do that here. Thank you, Lord, heard the wrong thing. But anyway, so I went up. I said, well, who do I talk to? We'll go and talk to that person over there. So I went to talk to them, and I said, look, I'm new here. I'm just with um, these people. Here's their friends. Um, And I just kind of um, thought that, um, well, that maybe I could do a prayer for healing. And he said, oh, lovely, that would be great. So you're then standing in front of a group of people you don't know, thinking, what do I do now? And so I said, the well, first thing that comes into your mind, Lord, help me. I said, well, you know, I come from a church in Herne Bay, and we've seen healing this year. And I just, sitting at the back, felt it would be good for praise for healing. Would that be okay with everyone? Fortunately, I didn't get a no. Would that be okay with everyone? So I just prayed that very simple prayer for healing. 
um, asked people to put their hands over where it was. I thought, you know, I didn't want to get into too much detail of whether somebody praying for other people, but, you know, just quick. And then, um, and you know, God was, was in that. He was in that in a large number of different ways. There was one person that came up to me afterwards and felt that their healing, their, their uh, condition they had had been changed. There was somebody else who said, come and pray for my friend over here. He's, he's really not well. And I said, okay, so I kind of prayed for them. And the other thing I didn't realize, and I think that's something that really comes up in this passage, is there was quite a lot going on in the background in the church. You know, sometimes politics go, I mean, not this church, of course, but some churches, you have that kind of thing going, don't you? Politics going on in the background. And what I didn't realize, and I do now, is it was a really difficult week for the church. And actually, just praying for something simple of healing can bless people who maybe weren't in the best place at that time. And so God, I felt very encouraged by that. I mean, you move away, you've no idea what happens eventually in terms of what God does, but you just trust him, don't you? And I think one of my encouragements is that we are just a people that pray for healing. We just do that. Somebody asks us to pray for healing. If we sense it, we just have a go. Now, obviously, we've got to be sensitive. We've got to do it the right way. And really cautious of those who maybe have been prayed for a number of times and haven't felt that healing. So we've got to do it in a a loving way. Let's just have a look at the passage and just draw some things out of it. And then I'm just going to talk about that briefly and then move on before I get myself in too much deep water. Right, so verse 3 is the first one. So verse 3, seeing... Peter and John, about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So the beggar here was the one who went to Peter and John. He was the one who made the first communication. He didn't ask to be healed, admittedly, but he did do the first communication. Didn't he? he, he made that engagement with Peter and with John. That's the first thing I noticed. The second thing I noticed was in verse 4, that Peter and John engaged with him. So they were very clear. Peter said, I've got no silver and gold, but what I do have, I will give you. So there was an an explanation, if you like, very simply, very quickly, of what was going to happen. It didn't happen out in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't suddenly somebody comes in the door for the first time and we said, right, let's go and pray for them and embarrass them. There was a, a discussion there that happened. Third one, there was a prayer and command for healing. Now, it seems more like a command, but actually we talk about it often as a prayer for healing. And I'm not going to get into the the difficulty with those words, but there was a um, prayer for healing. I think the next part is in verse 10, and it ended up with the praise of God, didn't it? It was for his glory. It wasn't for a miracle, it was for his glory. And people were so excited with wonder and amazement. Now, Actually, that prayer for healing and the thing, in the next few, next couple of chapters, we see had all sorts of uh, ramifications, all sorts of things that happened, which we'll hear about in the next few weeks. All sorts of things. But the simple part here is they prayed for healing. Now, here's a question for you. Had they ever seen that beggar at the beautiful gate before? Probably they had. Probably they had. So why did they pray that time? It's an interesting question, isn't it? And there was a sense in my mind that that was the right time in terms of the Spirit of God to pray. As I felt when I went to Bangor, God prompting me, there was a sense of the prompting of the Holy Spirit at that time to pray. 
which is interesting. And it raises all sorts of other questions in our mind, but let's just stay with the simplicity of let's be a people who pray for healing. Um, let me give you a, a slightly less glorious example when I've prayed for somebody for healing. Um, um, I was uh, early days of City Church in Canterbury. I was there with a friend, and uh, her brother came for the first time. And he was an interesting character. So I'm not going to give his name. An interesting character. Um, and he came along one of the first times he'd been to that church. Um, and there was a chance to pray for each other in twos during the service. And he said, oh, please, can you pray for me? I thought, brilliant. He said, I've got a tattoo and I don't want it. <laughs> now, I don't know why. I don't know whether he'd got his girlfriend's name on there and was misspelled. Or whether it was a previous girlfriend's name. Or whether it was something on her he didn't want. But he wanted the tattoo to go. But he'd asked me. Was it healing? Wasn't it? I don't mind. I just prayed. So I prayed, and a uh, very simple prayer. <laughs> Had to be, didn't it? A very simple prayer. And then looked at his tattoo, and it was still there. But I felt I'd done what I needed to. And interestingly, that whole episode affected him. And he became, at that time, just a little bit more open to the things of God and of church. Now, that didn't end up in him getting saved and coming to church, which I would love to have said. And it didn't end up in a healing or a miracle. But actually, even within that, God was using it, and there was a sense that he asked, so I went. Okay, so I'm just going to go through a very simple process in praying for healing. This is only point one, so it is going to be simple. Okay, and I think it's useful for those that have prayed for healing many times. It's always, it's always good just to remember, isn't it, the kind of process we go through. And this is John Wimber's plan. Many of you will have um, heard of John Wimber. Maybe you've even, uh, some of you experienced his ministry in the 80s um, and earlier. And uh, this was his plan. He was a great um, minister from uh, the States, uh, really the founder of the Vineyard Movement. And he said this, five steps when you pray for healing. Number one, interview. What do you want Jesus to do for you? So there's that discussion at the beginning. Don't presume, because somebody looks like they're not feeling well, that they want to be prayed for. You can't presume that. What do you want? Have a discussion at the beginning. There's got to be that sensitivity. And particularly if somebody, I don't know, um, is, say, in a wheelchair, they might be so sensitive to being prayed for. Actually, you've really got to say, what can I do for you? What, what do you want? And that might be not to pray at all. In which case, you can always pray in your mind as you walk away. You don't have to actually do it, obviously, do you? You can still pray in your mind as you leave. Lord, just bless them. Number two, the cause. Can you tell me something about the cause of this? Now, it might be there's a detail of the cause that you don't want to know. You know, it might be stomach problems is enough. I don't need to know the rest. I don't need to know the medical condition. Or it might be, actually, that it's a different cause to the one you thought. And so it's often worth just working out what is the cause. So number one, interview. Number two, cause. And I don't, I'm not talking long things, but just quick things in your mind. Number three, prayer. How should I pray? How should I pray? Because sometimes that's really difficult. 
I'll take you to another example. I'll just stop on number three for a minute. Um, at New Day, I was part of a team the previous year, had a nice big group of us. And it was one lady um, who uh, got cancer throughout the year, and she just came for one day to New Day. Was wheeled on in a wheelchair, and she was obviously not well. Obviously not well. Um, and she asked us all to pray for her. And I was there thinking, Lord Jesus, how do I pray for this? Do I get the faith that I'm actually going to pray for complete healing now? Or is there a sense in my mind that actually Jesus is calling her home? That's a really difficult one, isn't it? But I wanted to be sensitive. I wanted to say the right thing. So I prayed that she would feel peaceful and calm. She'll feel really blessed. And I thought she wanted me to pray for healing. So I prayed for that as well. But I wasn't, I wasn't doing that in a dramatic way. I just prayed for that in a very sensitive way. And what I noticed about her over that time was that she was more content in God than she's ever been. She was just peaceful in her heart. And it may be that Jesus is calling her home. It may be that. Maybe she'll be miraculously healed. But it may be at this time that Jesus is calling her home. And I think we need that sensitivity. So when we're praying, let's pray. Let's just, just ask God, is there anything that, you know, how do I pray in this circumstance? Because it may be there's one thing that they're talking about that's not well. And it may have a completely different element or cause. And that will help us, guide us in our prayer. Number one, interview. Number two, cause. Number three, prayer. Number four, assessment. Like I did with the tattoo. Has it gone? How are you feeling? Yes, some sort of uh, assessment there. And number five, follow-up. We must realise that people who've been prayed, let's have some sort of follow-up for them. Kindness, supporting them in our um, growth groups, being with them through it. It's not just about that. Um, and as I say, the, uh, the follow-up in the passage that I've just read was immense, wasn't it? There was, there was an awful lot of follow-up, an awful lot of consequence. So interview, cause, prayer, assessment and follow-up. I think it's just useful that we have something in our mind when somebody comes to us and say, can you pray for me? And we go, <gasps> I don't know what to do. It's just useful, isn't it? So that's uh, that. And I think before I come off the first point, I just want to give one more story to encourage you. Um, the time when I really uh, got filled with the Spirit was uh, around the late 1980s, early 1990s. And there was a man who was affected by John Wimber called David Pitches. Um, he was an Anglican minister, but he was really part of the renewal movement. Um, and he'd really uh, got filled with the Spirit. He'd really started learning to hear when he was a minister in Chile. He was, a, um, he was actually a bishop, but he was, he was in Chile. And uh, this is the story he tells about encouraging people to pray for healing. He said one day he was very busy. He had lots of things that he was doing, and he was very tired. And at the end of the day, a lady came to him as he was racing through the market or somewhere, and said, look, my baby's not well, will you pray for, pray for him or her? And he said, oh, gosh, I'm busy, I really don't want to pray. But this lady was in, said, please, please pray. He said, oh, do you know what? So I just prayed a very simple prayer. Lord Jesus, just heal this baby for whatever's wrong with it, amen. And off he went. And the really exciting thing was that that simple prayer, that very, just one minute that he took out of his day, that baby was completely healed. I don't know what the condition was, but the next day, that woman was at his door praising God. And I just encourage you, sometimes it's about just taking that single 
extra minute, isn't it, to say, yes, of course, I'll pray with you. It's just about being sensitive to what God's saying and being determined. So that's my first encouragement. Let's keep praying for healing. Let's keep doing it. Are we all up for that? Yeah. Amen. Right, okay, so that's number one. Number two, my second point is the mighty half an hour. So this is prompted by verse one. Let's just, just go back to verse one for a minute. It said uh, here, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. They were going up to the temple. Now that, just going to the temple strikes me as slightly strange because they were, God was doing a new thing. They'd seen thousands of people saved. They were doing all sorts of things. Why were they then going back to their Jewish routines? Surely they were out of that? Now the, the ninth hour was actually about three o'clock in the afternoon. And that was the time um, when there was uh, prayers and there was something going on in the temple every day. Um, and I do question, why were they doing that? Was it an old routine they still had to get out of? What was it? Now, if we go back to the uh, uh, Acts 2 we were looking at last week, Acts 2 verse 42 says this, And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So they were in the temple, these people who had just felt the Holy Spirit on them, those thousands of people that had just come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, they were going to the temple. Well, why were they doing that? Why didn't they go to, I don't know, a place, a big tent somewhere? Why were they actually at the temple? And it just got me thinking that that was their routine. They did it. Now, of course, they wouldn't have a Bible. They would only have access to the Old Testament. And where would the Old Testament be? Be in a set of scrolls, wouldn't it? And where would it be? In the temple. So if you didn't go to the temple, you wouldn't have access to the Old Testament scrolls. You wouldn't have access to Scripture. So they were going there for prayer and for their access to Scripture. They don't have the Bibles in their pockets as we do. And it made me think that actually this opportunity that came up came out of their routine and their closeness to Jesus. The fact that they made that time every day to listen to the scriptures. They made that time every day to be close to him. And I know it's something we've heard a number of times this summer about us abiding in Jesus, spending time with him. And I heard a lovely phrase. The old quiet time, Has you've heard the phrase quiet time, we should have a quiet time. I heard a lovely phrase this summer, which was a mighty half an hour. That's the better one, isn't it? We should all have a mighty half an hour. Not necessarily a quiet time, but a mighty half an hour every day. I know, that's a real challenge, and it's not there to, um, to condemn you. Gosh, I'll never do half an hour. But wouldn't it be interesting if we tried, all of us, to have a mighty half half an hour every day. A time when we were away from distractions. We are away from everything. And I know with, with children, with family life, that's difficult. But to try and somehow allocate time, whether we're an early bird or a lark, however we do it, making sure we have that time. Because it's out of that, it's out of that strength, that inner strength that we get from spending time with Jesus, that opportunities will come, that healing will come. And actually, we'll begin to share our faith more and more. Okay, so here's a few suggestions 
First of all, what is your routine for spending time daily with Jesus? There's my challenge to you. What is your routine for spending time daily with Jesus? I know many of you here will have developed themes that you've had over the years. And if you've not got one, talk to them. Talk to people in this church who've got their routines. What do you do? How do you do it? How did you do it with young children? How did you do it with teenagers in the house? How did you do it with a busy job? So, uh, here, are, here are a few suggestions that um, I've found helpful and I've noticed other people doing them. So, number one, in terms of reading the Bible, I think it's lovely to read a, a short passage of the Bible, maybe a psalm, that really inspires you and encourages you. It's a meditative part. You're not reading it to get through as much as you can to understand it. You just want to read the, the, about the praises of God. You just want to read the fact that he is our mighty saviour. You just want to read the fact that he loves you and cares for you. That he's numbered the hairs on your head. That he knows you by name. That he's called you. That he's always with you. You just want to read that to encourage you. And so I just get a, a sense, often in the mornings now, I try and open the Psalms and pick one out. I've spent an awful long time in Psalm 32, I have to be honest. That just to spend time, just, I just want to read that again. Because I want to be with my father and I want to know what he's like. I need to be reminded each day. So that's the first thing. Um, second is worship. How do we create worship in our mighty half an hour? Is it a song that you play? Um, is it that you're singing through something? Is it that you're just in the wonder of God? Is it that you're just asking God to fill you with his spirit? But an element of worship that goes with the first thing. Okay, next one, learning scripture. And I think we've heard this before this summer, but it's worthwhile hearing it again. Learning scripture is so, so important to get those scriptures into our mind. Um, Rick Warren, some of you may have heard of, uh, American pastor uh, who's, read, who's written a number of uh, amazing books. In his book, Purpose Driven Life, says this, there are enormous benefits to memorizing Bible verses. Enormous benefits. It helps you resist temptation, make wise decisions, reduce stress, build confidence, offer good advice, and share your faith with others. Amazing. And he's got verses that go with each one. So the, for the first one, it'll help you resist temptation. He quotes Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart. Learning scripture. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So that idea, and I know that as time goes on, learning scripture gets more difficult, doesn't it? But actually, practicing it and working on it does work. I find it so much more difficult than I used to. But just practicing it. And even if I don't remember the exact words, it's in there. It's in my mind. So there we go. There's another suggestion. Learning scripture. Uh, another one is reading the Bible for understanding. In other words, there's a, the Bible, that, that whole collection of books of all different things. It's good to just have some time when you're reading through them just to get your Bible knowledge up so that you have answers when people ask you, well, have you read this? Have you read that? Do you know about this? This is what uh, Rick Warren says about uh, Bible reading. He says, many who claim to believe the Bible from cover to cover have never read it from cover to cover. But if you will read the Bible just 15 minutes a day, you will read it completely through in one year. 
And there are a number of processes, aren't there, to Bible in a year. Andrew's even got, have you got it with you? A huge Bible that takes you through in a year, gives you every day. Now, the trouble is with that, if you're anything like me, um, you spend an awful long time in January. And by the time it gets to July, you're very quiet that you're still in January. But you are still going through, and you're still getting that process. Who cares if it takes two years? You're going through that whole council of Scripture in your mind. Um, not all of it easy. If you cut out one 30-minute television program or Netflix program a day, you'll read your Bible in, and read your Bible instead. You'll read through the entire Bible twice in a year. Daily Bible reading will keep you in range of God's voice. In range of God's voice. That's what we want, isn't it? We want to be in range of his voice. We want to be so that we can hear from him and are encouraged by him. Um, so that's one or two suggestions I'm making. Um, asking God to fill you and prepare you for the day ahead. I often do that um, going into work in the morning. Lord, come on, I really need you just to bless me and encourage me. Um, and also to have a prayer list. I, I always feel bad when I say I'm going to pray for somebody. Do you know what I mean? You know, it, it might be a growth group. It's, don't worry, I'll pray for you. But if I don't write that down, I'm never going to remember. So I try and have a list, days of the week. I've even tried to do one recently that's hours of the day. So if you have any time at, I don't know, three o'clock in the afternoon, I open up um, where I've written it, and usually on my phone now, and I say, right, three o'clock, this is who I'm going to pray for. Because if I've said I'm going to pray for somebody, I want to have actually done it, rather than go back and see them and go, oh, I said I'd pray for you, didn't I? How are you? Are you all right? It's good to have that discipline. Now, I know when I say that, when you put those together, it creates that sense of guilt. Well, please don't let it create that sense of guilt. I thought uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to start, I'm going to do this for half an hour, mighty half an hour. After eight minutes, I was done. I'd read my Bible, I'd prayed, I'd gone through a prayer list. I thought, how do I keep going for half an hour? I'm going to have to create some new things to do. I'm going to have to create more of a space around me in order to do it. And I kept going. Um, I think I made it 18 minutes last night. I kept going. All I could do, putting all these things in, thinking about them, um, and even prayed for this morning as well, for good measure, and I made it to 18 minutes. But let's try to get that mighty half an hour. What would it be like if every member of Beacon, every member that's going to be here usually in, in September, had a mighty half an hour? How that would prepare us for what God's got in store for us. It is no pressure. That's not what I'm saying. But it is so important. I get a real sense, and maybe you do, that um, out of this time of digging into the Word and, uh, and, and, and our closeness with God, that actually out of us will come outreach. Maybe that's when Steve comes back. Maybe that's one of the things he'll come back buzzing with. But we'll come back with new ideas of reaching out to the community, new ideas of using this place to reach out to those who are just walking, I don't know, maybe 15 places away, paces away from us. And, but we want to do that from a place of strength, of intimacy with God, of closeness with God, that we're doing it from that platform. Okay, so, number one. Pray for healing. Let's do that. Number two, the mighty half an hour. What about encouraging to have a mighty half an hour every day with God? And number three is about wonder 
and amazement. Wonder and amazement. Can I just take you um, to the end, to that last verse? I'm going to read from um, verse 8, but I want to focus mainly on verse 10. And leaping, he stood up and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. It's those two words that struck out to me. They were filled, the people there who were around were filled with wonder and amazement. So I thought I'd look up those two words. So wonder is a Greek word thambos, and it means amazement, astonishment, and wonder. Oh, so that's amazement and amazement then. Do those words mean the same thing? Is it amazement and amazement? Why, do, why has the Bible said that? There must be something more here to dig into. Okay, so let's try and get a little more idea of the word used here. Um, in Luke 5 verse 9, it says, For he, Jesus, and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. It wasn't Jesus, it was Peter. For he, Peter... And all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. That's Thambos. So there they were. Uh, Jesus was preaching in the boat. It's that, that story. And uh, Peter said, oh, what are we going to do? We haven't caught anything after he'd preached. And Jesus said, oh, put your nets down now. He said, really? Yeah, put your nets down now. Brought them up. And there were so many fish, they had to get another boat to come and help them. They were astonished. That's amazing, isn't it? They were amazed. So that's the context, if you like, the idea of that um, word, thambos. But the second word, remember it's wonder and amazement. The second word, which is in the ESV, amazement, comes from the Greek ekstatis, where we get the words ecstasy, ecstatic. And that's amazement, astonishment, bewilderment, or trance ecstasy, a word I've never seen before. But that's slightly deeper, isn't it? That's, that's a slightly deeper amazement. That's a slightly, you've just blown my mind with this. I, I, my mind can't compute. I'm in a logical world where things happen, where people don't just jump up, um, having sat there for weeks and months, having um, been paralysed since birth. They don't just jump up and leap around. This blows my mind. This is... Ecstatic, I don't, I don't quite understand this. This is when my, my human brain struggles. The, uh, again, this word was used uh, previously in the Gospels. It was used in Mark 5, verse 42. And Mark 5, verse 42 says this, And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Do you recognize that passage? Jairus' daughter a synagogue ruler's daughter. The, the very simple story of that was Jesus was going round. Jairus said, will you come pray for my daughter because she's not well? And uh, then he got distracted by praying for somebody else or by ministering to somebody else who was healed. And at the end of that, Jairus said, well, don't come because she's died. It's, it's finished now. And so actually, that's the result of raising from the dead. Now that blows your mind. That really blows your mind. That is, if you like, you are ecstatic. You don't know quite how to explain it. 
astonishment, wonder and awe. You know, we as Christians sometimes, the more we read it, the less that astonishment disappears, don't we? We have to remind ourselves how amazing it is that we can relate to the God who made the universe. That is mind-blowing. We can relate to a God who heals and heals completely. He breaks the laws of nature. And we are a Christian people. We are a Christian community. And we, if you like, we accept that and we understand that and we're excited about that. But actually, those are the kind of things that are very difficult to explain to those who are not saved, our neighbours and our friends. They're very difficult to explain. Because we can explain, look, church is a loving community. We can explain, you know, we look after each other, we support each other. We can explain we come to um, a family group on a Sunday, we have kids meetings, we have stuff. That makes sense, doesn't it? But if we start talking about raising from the dead, we start talking about somebody who was instantly healed, who was injured, who was damaged, his legs were damaged from birth, whose life was completely transformed. Imagine that man, no hope of being married, no hope of having a family, despised, dragged to the place by the beautiful gate in order to beg probably so somebody else could take the money. And suddenly his life was absolutely transformed. Now that's the gospel, isn't it? Transformation, joy, amazement. I think that's what we've all committed our lives to, isn't it? Thank you very much. I'm looking at Mick. Thank you, Bob. I think uh, we should come now and worship God in that amazement. Let's be amazed by who he is and what he's, what he's done. Um, Rachel's going to lead us in a time of worship. Um, and we're, let's wait on the Lord and see see what he wants to do. Let's see what he wants to be to amaze us with this morning. Come to 